This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Hey guys, and welcome to the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast, where we try and inspire you to get outside and chase whatever outdoor passions and adventures you've been thinking about, but maybe you haven't done, or maybe it's just a beautiful day outside and you need just that little extra motivation to get out into the outdoors and enjoy yourself, whether that's hunting or fishing. And we hope to do that by providing you with awesome outdoor experiences, stories from people all over the world, and including our own adventures as well. So thank you for tuning in. This podcast is made possible by our sponsor, Wild Edge Inc. They are the maker of the simplest, most versatile climbing system in the outdoor world. So if you need a way to be ultra mobile in the outdoor woods when you're chasing whitetails, check out the Wild Edge system, www.wildedgeinc.com, and use the promo code CHASINGTALES10, that's CHASINGTALES, T-A-L-E-S, one zero to save fifteen dollars on any set of steps that you may order. Unfortunately, deer season is winding down, duck season's winding down, and most of your western hunting is winding down, but that's okay because that means turkey season and the off season is close and that means we can prepare, we can start chasing birds, we can start fishing, and we can start to learn from the past season and I've learned a lot this year. It's been a tough year and if you're like me suffering from the threat of tag soup. My season isn't quite over yet, but it's winding down. I empathize with you. Get out there, grind, push through the next couple weeks if you've got any season left. And if not, take the time to reflect and see what you could do differently. I know that I've got a lot to learn and and apply it to next year hunting public land. We've got big things planned for 2019. I've got an elk hunt out west. We're trying to line up some DIY hunts in different states outside of the state of Florida. If you find value in the show and you would like to support 
Chasing Tales, its growth, its reach, and its ability to bring content to you from all over the place. We have set up a Patreon account. You can go to www.patreon.com forward slash Chasing Tales Outdoors or just click on the link down in the show notes. I put it in the bottom of every show notes. You can choose to, to sign up and contribute, and that money goes directly to the production of this podcast. It offsets the operating costs that we have, and hopefully it'll help fund some of these adventures that we have planned. If you would like to contribute, please check out the Patreon account. It would mean the world to us if you would donate directly. Now we should get to this week's episode, but before we do, I'm going to close this out with a brief word from our dear friends at the Sportsman's Alliance. If you're new to the podcast or if this is your first episode, please go back a couple episodes and listen to the podcast that we recorded with them. The Sportsman's Alliance is fighting for our rights to hunt, fish, and trap and enjoy the outdoors on our public lands, on our private lands. And they have an incredible success rate in the court system. So here's this week's message from Sean Kern of the Sportsman's Alliance. The Sportsman's Alliance is uh, we're a nonprofit organization. Uh, but we were founded you know, in the late 1970s. In Ohio, there was a ballot initiative that sought to ban all forms of trapping. So they knew that if they could take their agenda to Ohio and and win on this issue that's very near and dear to them, that they could then take that and plug and play in other states. Um, So a group was organized to run the ballot initiative on behalf of sportsmen. They ran the campaign. They did an outstanding job. They succeeded, and they defeated that ballot initiative, but calls continued to come in from around the country to these these folks from other states having similar issues. So there was a need. They took the appropriate steps and they formed the organization and they said, well, let's let's specialize in these things. And so that's how our organization was formed. That's what we've pretty much focused on the last 40 years has been protecting and advancing the American traditions of hunting, fishing, trapping, and the shooting sports. And so that's that's kind of the who we are and what we do. That's kind of our, our specialty is we work in the legislatures, we work in the courtroom, we work at the ballot box, and we do work in all 50 states. And I hope that after hearing this and listening to the previous episode, you feel compelled to join the Sportsman's Alliance like I have and like many of our listeners have to help support our outdoor hunting, fishing, and trapping heritage. We're picking up this week with the third part of the DIY Hunter series where they are chasing elk in Idaho. If you're just now tuning into the Chasing Tales Outdoor podcast, there's two more parts to this series, part one and part two, one that we recorded before the hunt and then the first few days of their hunt as well. I hope you enjoy. But this one, we got that bugle to say he's right there and he's bedded down. The thermals are coming up. He's not going to move. And we started to work up on the hillside from him, which was... I would say 9.30, 10 in the morning, and we got above him finally. And we actually we actually did stop, Jack, remember? Because we all three had a little difference of opinion, and I was like, I'm telling you. I go, we are right now, because we're running Onyx walls, right. so like we're using it to our fullest advantage. And you're using that and on I your phones, like, right? I know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I know for a fact he has to be inside 200 yards and i don't know how close we can get and we're mid-discussion and then what do you think happens he just lights up and we didn't even make a noise and we're like oh (laughs) shit he is right that's awesome and zane runs straight backwards now this is like three hours after he shut up and we got directly on top of him in his bedroom which is the only reason this worked um i mean this is like this is kind of the Corey jacobson yeah 
Like, yeah, like you, pin, you pinpoint him with a locate bugle, you get the wind in your favor, you get in front of him, and you try to get close. And um, that's the debate, though. It's like, how do you know when you're close enough? And we actually we got lucky that we didn't have to make noise, and he let us know where he was, which now, after 10 days of hunting, this ended up being the only talkative bull, really. We had one more, but this is the only bull that really talked with us. So Zane sprints straight up the hill, and me and Jack set up behind this tree, which in turn ended up working out perfect. But it's kind of funny because there was a tree like 50 yards below us, and we could have like stabbed him with a knife had we got to that tree because um, he wasn't moving yet. So Zane just starts chatting with him back and forth, back and forth, starts cutting him off. And well, honestly, he, he threw – I mean this is like kind of my favorite part about cutting. So he gives a couple, uh, couple cow calls. And by like third or fourth one, like we get a bugle and he like rips an answer back and it's a more aggressive bugle. And it's like, you are that bull coming in and you're like, whoa, stop talking to my lady. Yeah. Right. Um, so, and he, he answers back like, and you could hear him down in the timber, like stand up and start to rake trees. Like, like F you, you're not going to talk to me, talk to me that kind of way. <laughs> um, and honest, and, like plain as day, it, it was, I mean, you heard him start pacing left and right and he he just got tired of getting cut off so like one of the big things that we do when we get into the bedroom like that that has always worked for us now whether we filled a tag or not someone will listen to this and be like oh you've never killed one well yeah we've thrown arrows at him though like pretty consistently on our elk trips and whether we had a deflection whatever happened when that bull starts talking back he never gets a bugle out without us just just unloading on him and it it works like clockwork. They yeah. don't like getting screamed at and cut off. They just don't That's like it. That's insane. So it's kind of like cutting off a goblin. And it's, I mean, yeah, and you, except for you do it with a really – there's no pitch change. It's from zero to 100 in their face before they get their bugle out. And, like, me and Jack are standing there, and when you're calling, you don't hear it as much because it's so loud in your ear. But we're 50 yards, and, like, you literally hear him – chuckling after the scream and pacing left and right just until you hit the right tone that makes them move which we don't know what that is but i mean he's going left and right and you just hear him crashing and then all of a sudden literally you hear nothing and jack goes oh shit there he is 12 o'clock and i'm like yeah, there's 12 I, o'clock i don't, I don't <laughs> see anything i could see him first in the viewfinder in retrospect i felt a little bit I'm like oh I, I think almost verbatim like oh there he is I'm like, he's right in front of us. He's impressions kind of looking, trying to peer through the tree branches, and he's walking our way. He's probably like, uh, with that, this is 75 yards, 80 yards. And I, right yeah. after that, right after that, I'm like, oh, he's kind of big. And I'm like, oh, I yeah. can't that. Like, I kind of, yeah, like he was like, super, I'm going to be honest with you, he was a super fucking nerve rider upper, not a nerve. Like, you want your cooler <laughs> behind you? Jack was like the furnace. <laughs> like, I'm sitting there, I turn around, I'm like, Hey, you got your rangefinder? He goes, Oh God, no! I'm like, What are you doing? Get your <laughs> hey, hey, man, I'm I'm the filmer. I'm the I, no, dude. I'm listen. I'm so, I'm with with Preston on this. He one. literally, well, he goes, he goes, Oh, and at this point, I've not seen him. Zane has a conversation with us. Do whatever you can. You don't look at antler. You think about the shot. I haven't seen him. Oh, he's big. I'm yeah. like, Oh, <laughs> good, good. Where's he at? 12 o'clock. I'm like, well, I don't know which way you're facing. Where's that? I lean out to the side of a tree and I'm like, ah, crap. And I lean back. I'm like, he's giant. <laughs> this is going to be tough. 
So then, so then, meanwhile, like I'm thinking, you know, he's gonna range fine. He doesn't even have it out, and I was like, oh no, I don't, I can't judge a sage field like 20 yards from 55. Like it's impossible. Um, so this bull is coming up, and on film, I go, Jack, what do you think the odds are he leaves the timber? and goes into this field, and Jack goes, zero. <laughs> what do you yeah, think he does? Think, we think he's going to work around to our left and come up the hill, and he's, he's working up the spine, and then he starts to swing out to the right in front of the sage. Which made like, no – which, which, which – yeah, and I was like, you've got to get your rangefinder out, yeah. and the film cuts away because Jack's digging for it, and I was thinking he was going to, like, just range find and just keep, like, saying numbers, and this is kind of where – we got a little bit skewed because, you know, you don't do the bang, bang. And this whole time, Walt, from Jack saying, oh, he's big, to my arrow leaving my bow is what, Jack? Like maybe 10 seconds? Like um, No. 15? It's, that, it's like 30 seconds. I mean, it's pretty bang, bang. You're, you're trying not to move too much. You know, you've got him in front of you. You don't want to spook him. So here in hindsight, he swings out to our right and literally made no sense watching it why he would do that. But while we're standing there, I can feel wind hitting us in the back of the neck oh. at this point now, which is blowing to like – it's blowing to like our 3, 2 o'clock-ish. And these animals it's, are – It's like it's, – it's kind of paralleling us. Yeah. Like if you're looking yes. down the spine of the ridge, it's coming from your left shoulder over to your right. And, like, these animals are so smart with knowing that because at no point he could have got the wind to his advantage. Well, he button-hooked hard to go out to here. He probably felt it crossing, and he was trying to loop us. And Jack ranges him and says a number, and then 39. I don't – Yeah, it was yeah, 39 and, yards. And I don't really quick calculate, well, three steps is probably eight to nine more yards. Like, I don't do that right. in my head. And I hear 39, and – He's circling us. I feel the wind hit me in the back of the neck. And as I, say, as I say 39, Preston comes up to full draw. No, I was already there. I was there before he oh, came yeah. out into the stage. Like, okay. So, like, in my head, like, from full draw to shooting, like, you're talking I don't, a couple, like, not very many seconds. I hear 39, and your brain just registers. Well, he was making a lot of noise coming. I didn't want to stop him because he's close enough. I thought, hold on. My thought was, hold on the shoulder blade. He steps right into it, and it's heart double lung-ish. That's like, there's no missing. He's not going to hear the bow go off. Well, he's, I hear 39, and in hindsight, he was probably 31, 32. I hold right on him. The arrow comes out. He drops down. The shot looks really high. To cut the long story short, we rewind it and watch. I held shoulder blade. Not only did he stop as soon as that bow went off, he dropped which I don't. What do we guess? Is it Jack like ten inches? Said ten inches. Jeez. At least like ten inches. So he not only walked, didn't walk into the arrow, he dropped ten inches and stopped. So like Jack, I think said it very well. Fifty percent. It wasn't that it was a terrible shot. It was fifty percent bad shot placement. Meaning, now had he stepped forward. And not drop, it's a double right. lung. But he heard the – it literally in slow-mo, my arrow's just coming out of the bow, and he stops dead in his tracks and starts dropping. Like, we're talking a sixth of a second. And my arrow ends up hitting, like, front edge shoulder blade high, which is just all no-man-land neck meat. There's nothing there. It's outside of the cavity. 
outside of vitals. Now, if you're shooting expandables, I pro- like Jack said, he goes, you probably tear every neck artery and he's dead in 75 yards. Or you're shooting a one-inch fixed blade, it punched straight out his backside, he drops, takes off, runs, boom. I, I and my gut felt bad about it. Um, I didn't know what happened because where I was holding felt great, and I punched it, and my, as soon as I punched, I was like, dead elk. Like, dead to rights, this thing's yeah, toasted. It kind of had I was, that sound at impact. impact. And it made that, that pump noise, like when it hit, it was really? like that hollow bellowing. And I was like, I turned around, and I mean, I was like, he's dead. Like, that punched through the front of his chest cavity. There's just no, like, it came out and thought dead. But when he spins, the arrow's hanging out of the backside of him. It, it caught on the fletchings in his hide. And I'm like, it looks high, but it's all the way through. He's dead. He's dead. And long story short, to ensue, like, we tracked for six hours over a rock shelf. We found. The first drop of blood we found was about 450 yards the size of a teardropper, and we tracked that for about a mile point two, and it went up and up and up, and we never found more than that, and he ended up going up over a rock shelf back into the head of the hollow that we shot him in, truthfully. Um, I think we and we, walked, we tracked for like 1.8 miles total. It yeah. Was, it was scattered. There, there was not any, any blood bigger than um, – at most a quarter that not bigger than a quarter and it was all kind of like drops kind of muscle looking um and then once he started to cut over up over the rock shelf the blood dried up so yeah so we know we know he made it we, he made it and we're actually we're not even a thousand percent sure there was a guy the next morning that shot an elk in that drainage and the way he described it was very similar to the bull i shot we don't know that it was the same one we never saw it but it could have been him. It was right there, same spot. Um, but it, it just it sucked. Like and like I said, it was we replayed it a thousand times and it's on film. And I'm sitting there and Jack's like, you know, probably in hindsight you do stop him, but, but then if you again, stop him, you know he's alert. Right, right, right. So yeah. And 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 if he jumped the string that hard while walking, what would he have done on full alert? Like, would I've even hit him? I mean which in retrospect would be better than wounding him hands down. But like needless to say, and I don't think we captured a lot of this. Like I was sick. I didn't eat my lunch. Them guys ate, like I couldn't do anything. Cause a, your whole team just, you just blew a huge bull elk meat for everybody. Big six by five, like everything about it. And you, you wrecked it. You'd be out on day two. You'd be packed out day three and back in day three night. Like we were above the camp. Everything was ideal, and the footage is awesome. We have GoPro footage from a third-person perspective. Like, it's just everything's amazing, and then you wound an animal like that. And the only thing that makes you get by is the way you tracked him and followed and never found anything to make you think he's hurt. And to see it on film and know you hit a non-vital area and found no arterial blood – I mean, those things have antlers buried in the side of their skulls, and they're fine. You, you know I mean, that he was probably upset at it, and he's like, ouch, that hurt, but he's okay. Um, it just my, I felt like I let everybody – I was like, yeah, it would have been cool for me to bury an elk like that, but I felt like I let us all down because I fill my tag on the second day, and we all have meat, and, like, they're doing as much work as me, but I had the bow, you're at the head of the ship, and, like, you totally botched it, like, hard. But – you replay it over and over and over. And I mean, a million guys will watch it and they'll be like, here's what you should have done. 
it all sounds great except for in 20 seconds of bang bang in that situation him running at that pace i was like my arrow going 35 yards is going to float six inches no problem not knowing in retrospect he probably got shot at right there a million times in his Mm. eight or nine years of life so he knew he knew i mean that bow's going fast and i mean he ducked hard walt like he ducked hard, and I mean, the arrow just floats, and it, what can you do? Like, I mean, everybody's missed a deer doing the same thing. Like, I don't, I don't, in retrospect, I don't, me and Jack talked about it for 32 hours. I don't know what you do different. I, I really don't. Like, I don't know what I would have changed, because stopping him could have cost us as well. I, yeah, you just, just don't know. I mean, stopping him, too, is when they hear a sound, that's the thing that's so different about hunting elk is when you hunt a deer, you're in a stand or maybe you're in a ground blind. You know, like, okay, they're probably going to cross here from my right to my left. Like, you have a pattern in your mind. The thing that is just awesome about elk hunting is the calling and the dynamic changes. Like, you may have to – you like, you get up to a spot, you range a few trees. Like, you may have to move up 50 yards. Well, now your spots aren't you, – that you ranged aren't good anymore. Or this – like, this bull did. You're like, okay, he's going to swing out here to the left, Preston his quarter to the left while he swings out to the right. The, the yardages like, are constantly changing. Like, he switched um, – he switched at 50 yards from quartering to our left, and we had everything ranged to the right out into a sage field where you have absolutely no – which – and again, if you want to take away a positive – I was then on the camera for Jack and my rangefinder did not leave my hand. Cause we were like, <laughs> we got screwed because there's no, and like Jack ranges trees. And even there was a four point we ended up getting on that went 1000%. No reason should have went the way he went and he did. And we have no clue how far everything is, but I'm on his shoulder going 38, 37, because as the shooter, you might get full draw for a minute and a half and he moves 30 yards. What do you do? And, and I get it, eyeball it, but, like, 50 and 32 look a lot different out in open timber. You're like, I don't know. Well, I mean, like, uh, um, so, you know, um, backseat coach here, backseat driver, like, why wouldn't you just aim lower and compensate and, like, expect for him to drop 12 inches and, and nail a heart? Well, because I've, that- I've watched I've – watched, I mean, that again, that also sounds awesome, and it, that's – but he was moving quarter two so fast, I thought aiming onto the blade was going to float gotcha. the heart. But he stopped, then dropped. He didn't. He advanced forward not an inch. It, that bow goes choo-choo in slow-mo, and he stops in his freaking tracks. Like I'm, I'm, looking at the, I'm looking at the clip now, and just as you see the fletchings pass into the camera screen, he does kind of like that deer move that uh, we've all watched where he drops his weight and he's starting to load his rear legs. Like I'm getting yeah. out of here. Yeah. Like, so that was the, like, well, that was the initial thought with him quarter two. I thought if it sneaks right behind shoulder blade up to two more feet, it's coming in quarter two and just cutting everything right, out right. the backside. And then, so that was my, and on maybe. a bang, bang, that's, that's, I mean, you're talking, so I'm at full draw and Jack's filming him. He's not in my line of sight. So from line of sight, Jack ranged him at 39. I couldn't even see him. So I'm not calculating up, down, minus. He comes into sight and I'm like, right here's where I'm going to shoot because the wind's hitting me in the back of the neck. And I just held shoulder blade and thought, he's cruising at a pretty good pace. It's going to float right into a double lung, no problem. And he didn't, he just didn't move. He right. stopped. And maybe that's a learning lesson for me. Um, 
is I, you know, obviously I don't live out there. I try to, I love it out there. I try to get out there when I can hunt, but I don't maybe have the experience a lot of other people do. So if you know somebody or if one of the listeners wants to comment, like I've never had the impression that an elk is the one to like react like that, or no. I've not seen a lot and of I, YouTube like, videos. Like they, they don't have that reputation like a whitetail does no. where they just, you know, they're going to duck. And it's, it's like how many elk hunting videos have you watched? Literally they're standing in the wide open and it's a 35, I mean, Cameron Haynes, 50 some yards and this bull had him dead to rights and his arrow floats the entire way and it never flinches a second. You can't tell me his bow got there faster at 55 than mine did at 30. Like it's pumping speed. And he, I mean, honestly, I turned to Jack in the film and I went, I spined him because he dropped so far. I thought I spined him and it, it buried him paralyzed because he dropped like in real life, real speed. You're like, Oh my God, dirt flew up. And I mean, he button hooked, 90 degrees back the opposite direction. And then he was just gone like a bolt of lightning. I'm like, I've never seen it do that on a video. Now, granted, we've only shot it three or four elk, but I mean, it was every ounce of a whitetail reaction. Plus some, you're like, Holy yeah. crap. Dead gum. Yeah. yeah. So like it was like, like I said, like we said, I don't want to re reiterate when I get on to some more days, but like 50%, wasn't a bad shot. It was a clean pass through high in the shoulder. You're talking six inches from lungs, thorax, everything. Dead. He's piled up and it's an easy drag. Like, so it wasn't a horrible shot. It was truthfully just miscalculated on what I thought he was going to react to me shooting. And I didn't think he would hear and move to the bow doing that with him making so much noise, running and huffing and bugling. I, I didn't think a little click it was going to make him just barrel backwards right. like that. So, well, it, it is what it is. It and sucks. It with I everything mean, with with there being no precedent for that, right? Like none of your pros or none yeah, at all. Like, like how are you supposed to plan for that? No, I, I, you don't. And I mean, I'm sure someone will watch and give us what we everything we did wrong under the sun, but in real live motion, like we replayed it and we're like, we handled the situation right. well. I I misjudged by six eight yards but even if you took my shot and dropped it in placement i'm just hitting the lower shoulder neck meat and i'm still not hitting any vitals unless you get lucky and catch one of the carotids running up but probably not so like it wouldn't have changed anything i was too far forward based on him continuing to walk and hey in retrospect my bow was fast enough i should have held on the heart shot on the heart and floated it back but didn't happen so it is what it is well sucks it was painful. Like I was pretty, pretty sick for a couple of days because you wounded one and you, you know, you just botched it for the whole team. Like we were all a little bit in dismay, but I think we all knew in our gut <laughs> that elk was okay. From the second we watched the video, you're like, ah, but yeah, it still we, was. And, and was I still, said that I recorded yeah. like a little self interview. I mean, obviously Preston wasn't talking in front of the computer at that, uh, in front of the camera at that point, like him and Zane, you start to track this elk looking for tracks and trying to find a couple first blood drops. And I kind of sat there and talked to the camera and, you know, like we looked at, we're like, ah, it didn't look good, but it doesn't matter if it doesn't look good. Like we still spent the rest of the day tracking right. that animal. So yeah, like we shot him at, I think I shot him about one, one fifteen, And I mean, we tracked till dark, literally till dark. Mm, I mean, yeah. so and we heard, a, we heard a bull 900 miles away and we were like rated right dusk. And I was like, all right, boys, strap your bags let's freaking go and we took off hauling ass down this hall because <laughs> we heard a bull 
probably a mile right at dusk and we're like let's go i was like hey game over i'm i'm filmer now that's it he's alive he just went over ten thousand foot rock shelf we tracked for two freaking miles let's go and that was a wrap to day two because what happened jack that bull just ended up not making any noise right we no, got to the bottom and that up. was it yeah he just stopped kind of the end of day two <laughs> kind of a quiet dinner <laughs> very quiet i was i mean i still am I still am because we had this situation last year. Jack shoulder bladed one, and I had a deflection, and Zane Zane had had a had a miss on one. So like we already rode that like low low point from last year into this year, and then I when that happened again, like honestly, Walt, I mean it was to where I didn't bring my bow the next day. They're like, you should bring it. You never know if one's gonna circle. So I was like, I don't even care. I'm not drawing it. Like I'm I'm good to not bring a bow for a couple days mm. now. So I was just pretty like real. Big, big six by five, super mature bull, like everything you want to happen. So, dead gum. Um, but it is what it is. And then we moved into day three, which was Jack on the horse. And I, I don't remember Jack. The days start blurring. I know you were at draw on day three. Yeah, I was. I, I made it to full draw. We worked um, further up the spine of the ridge that we dove off of uh, the second day. Um, we were kind of up there the first day when we ran up to that spike. We ran into Jerry again that morning. Um, Jerry, the spike, comes up around the hill, and we're caught out in the middle, like, three stooges. He's staring at us at, like, 45 yards. And it's like you could see the wheel spinning where he's like, I've seen this <laughs> show before. And he just yeah, that was, yeah, so this was Steve made his way back, and then in a half hour he went and got Jerry and came back again. Yeah. Same Steve and Jerry from day one. Same, same Steve and Jerry. We're like, you idiots, you you're gonna get killed, but like, get away from us. <laughs> but they didn't. They they definitely didn't get as close close this time. No. And they kind of what they do? They sat it. At, what they they sat at eighty yards for? What would you say? Half hour? Yeah. Never moved. Walt, not a foot. Stared for thirty minutes. They never moved. They never walked. They never put their head down, head up. Just stared where the call mm. came from, and they didn't see us. We were covered, and our callers fifty yards behind us, going left and right and around the hill. And they never moved because they had ran into us 48 hours before that in the same spot. So they're like, eh. Yeah, we got to call in this area the McLovin drainage on camera. <laughs> um, so, so we work our way up. And, and we had looked up there, I think the day before I had been talking to myself. I'm like, well, I certainly don't want to go up there. And, and what do we do? We end up the whole way up there, up into this little canyon that bowls out. And even on a steady thermal. You know, when you get up onto the spine of a ridge or, or you get up onto kind of a, a crest, the predominant wind is going to take over and it's going to blow and it's going to swirl your winds for a little bit. Um, we got our I think it was that day that we got ourselves a whole way up to the top of that drainage and we we start to drop down in and a few elk worked their way out, including a couple of nice bulls. A couple oh, of my God. The so one was the kid. The kid with us was like, that's all of a 390 pushing 400. He was. And that was the one we worked, Jack, across from yeah. us. He was – now what so sucks, well, Jack throws a tripod up and demolishes this thing with a rifle in his hand. So we're that close, but we can't we can't get him to come Dead down to us. Guy. We're probably 325 with a rangefinder. Yeah. And he's a he's... seven-point just wrecking trees on this hillside. We're like, oh. He started to crest out. We um, got down in position a little bit, had a pretty favorable wind. And we messed around. I don't. I think he started to work up over the hill, and there was a couple smaller ones that stuck around and were calling back and forth and back and forth. Um, but nothing wanted to come over and, and work our way over to us. 
Dead gum. Yeah, so he was like 350. Now, granted, there was five other bulls up on this point, and they're pushing cows and running all over this face. He was the only one that would talk, and the other ones wouldn't talk unless he did. And, I mean, he was giant. Like, mm-hmm. And this was the drainage we ended up leaving that we told you about that we wanted to get above that we had to move base camp, and we just never got to. But, I mean, he called with us, what, Jack, for 30, 40 minutes, and he'd answer every single time. He just wouldn't come down. And at this point, oh, no, 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 no. Had... Oh, uh, he, he wouldn't come down, but uh, I'll, I'll go back. That's not even the best part of this day. I'll, I'll, I'll finish that up. Um, the morning was the best part of the day. Um, what so happened in the morning? Yeah, yeah. well, I'll, rem- I'll remind you in a second here. So oh, we God. messed around with those out for about a half an hour. Um, that was what, like 10 a.m.? Yeah, they weren't coming over. So we started to work our way back down the spine. Um and that's where we ran into that four point. Uh, I think Zane was like, I think I heard a stick break. And these, oh, yeah. those two have better hearing than me. I'm like, I don't know what you're <laughs> talking about. Jack, um, Jack, well, Jack can't hear. Jack? I, I wouldn't say I can't hear. I'd say I'd have average hearing. Cause Preston, even you've said you sit in the stand with multiple other people. You're hunting. That's like, true. Did yeah. You that's true. You're like, what are you talking about? No. Okay. So Jack, yeah, he's the middle 50%, but somewhere in the middle of that middle 50, let's put him at, half of normal like i question if he ne- i question he needs it checked and he refuses but yeah he's got no, that I selective like, hearing well, for lack of yeah for <laughs> lack of really a whole lot of stuff i'm not good at like definitely really really like far off high pitch stuff i pick up extremely well jack smiles with both ear to ear grinning and goes you heard one all right, where are we going? And doesn't hear it. <laughs> so they heard a stick break. We um we start to come up over the hill. We get in position. We think we're pretty good. And we start calling. And Zane's calling. He's like 40 yards up the hill over our left shoulder. And then Preston's filming. I got my bow up. And this four point starts to work into camera. Um, I think he started coming up. He was about like 45 yards. He's working his way up. I'm starting to get set, and he, he worked across from us. He didn't come up like we thought he would and try to pull us on the wind. He went upwind, Walt, this elk, upwind of us, not downwind, which was Weird. dead to rights. Every direction he goes, he's toast, and he went upwind for no reason. Like, and upwind was blo- – like, it didn't make – and it was below us. Like, everything to his disadvantage, which screwed us. Go ahead, Jack. And um, we're watching for a little bit, and I think he got to, like – it was 30 or 35 – and Zane comes up to full draw, and we had already agreed, like, hey, if anybody has uh, an open shot, like, you got to take it. It's not like shooter shoots. You don't do anything else. Like, if the guy calling has a bow in his hand and the elk works around, like, shoot the elk. Um, so he comes up to full draw, and I think he, he, he stepped behind the tree a little bit, and he had to come down. And he, he, he came up to full draw again, and we hear him shoot, and we look down and heard, like, that loud crack that you don't want to hear. And it, I think his fletching got deflected on a pine bough, like on the way in the first 10 yards and threw it off course. And he ends up killing like a six inch jack pine. So the elk busts out, but only busted out like 50 yards. And he's still like a younger four point. He's not quite sure what was going on. What's that loud noise? Starts calling again. And we give him the circle around a little bit. And he made his way back up, I think, to like 30 yards, 35 yards. And um, I come up to full draw as he's starting to step. And I don't know if he caught a little movement or if he just had enough of the nonsense, like, you know, elk noise is coming from nowhere and he's not seen anything. He just kind of like whirled and took off. And unfortunately I never got a shot. Dead gummit. 
Yeah. I mean, what do they say? Like, of the elk, elk encounters you get, you'll be lucky if one out of every two offers a shot. Oh, God. Trenton, Cody, Cody Kellum, I asked him before, and he said one out of eight is what yeah. he said to me. In their in their opinion, one out of eight. Well, and the, the part that's tough is when we reeled him back in the second time, he then comes back up at us, and he's heading directly at me and Jack. He's at about 45 yards, and he's going to walk right into a frontal shot at, like, point blank. He then not only turns opposite away of the wind again for the second time, he's on an open, like, flat bench walking directly at us, turns, hooks below us, stops where Jack can't see him, and I have a video camera filming him dead to rights at 32 yards, plain as dead, wide open shot. And I'm like, oh, and Jack's debating to step around behind the tree, but we're like, he's moving so quick, he's going to come around behind it, and he just ended up never moving. So here, Jack could have just sidestepped, mm-hmm. plowed him. I could, I'm filming him. Again, that's another one of them, like, hindsight 2020, but he just came from 100 yards. Why is he going to stop three feet short of the opening? He, and he did. Yeah, and, and, it's, if you, and if it's you or thick. anybody listening hasn't had the thought yet, uh, Preston's dad already told us, like, as soon as we walked out of the woods, we're, we're replaying all these stories for him. And he's like, uh, how come you guys don't put down the camera? Because <laughs> his first shot. He goes, you guys ever think about not filming? Because we would have had, like, for sure it cost us opportunities. I mean, the spike jack would have, like, yeah. the first three days with no camera, Jack's range finding my bull the whole way. Um, he shoots the spike day one. The day I shoot the four-point day three, like, all of this with no camera. But that's important to us. So it's kind of part of what we're trying to do, unfortunately, yeah, and fortunately. commitment you kind of got to kind of make. I mean, you see the same thing happen when you're hunting in a tree stand. 100% self-filming, like, you know, you, you're, you're like, I know I may not get all the shots that I normally would, but you got to try to commit to getting it on film, and it's hard. Um, I don't think the rest of that day, that was like 2 o'clock-ish, like 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock. We didn't really have a whole lot of action the rest of that day. Um, and, and mind you, Walt, this four-point, no bugles. Again, gum. no bugles the yeah. whole day, Yeah, which is, again, the story of the trip. Um, was that? The same day that was the sn- no that wasn't the same day that we had no the, that day creep on you that, that was later yeah that was that was three days later that was our last day we ended up yeah. bagging it at that point yeah so I don't, I think that's pretty much the end of that day hunting but the best part of that day is GI Joe like oh I don't my name or, or say what he does but oh my god I forgot about this guy yes so we start no, this is crazy hill. we start walking up this hill. And we're just at the bottom of the drainage where things start to split up and we're like glassing and, you know, thinking what we're, what are we going to do today? Which way are we going to go? Cause it was that day that we didn't see that six or five, the first thing in the morning cross and then the North facing timber, it might've been the bull that Preston shot at. So we're sitting there glassing a little bit and we see somebody walking up and I'm like, Oh man, somebody's in our spot. You gotta be kidding me. And this nice guy's like a little bit older, pretty fit, walks up him and his wife. He's like, Oh, what you guys doing? And I'm not going to give away a whole lot of detail here on the whole story because it might allow maybe more people to know where we were. <laughs> um, but he's like, yeah, you know, uh, one of my good buddies told me about this spot. He said he was up here about eight or nine years ago. And he told me last year I came up here, I, saw, I heard like 60 bugles. We're like, even if he's telling half the truth, that's awesome. Because like, we're like, we were being kind of truthful, mm-hmm. you know, not giving away the whole game. But um, we're like, like oh, we, yeah. we, we pretty much, he said, what are you doing? We're like, 
we haven't seen a lot and they're not talking. We didn't yeah. tell him we got into shit on silent. We were just kind of code redding it a little to feel this yeah. guy out more or less. But he, but he knew like he had been there the day before or the year before. And like, like we had seen elk crossing this one hillside for a couple of days. Now it was the one that was really far away that we couldn't get to later in the trip. He's like, Oh really? You haven't seen much that hill over there. They cross there every day. And we're like, Oh yeah, he's right. Like we have seen him there like every day. Um, but we hadn't seen, near the number elk that he had before in our immediate location. So we talking to him a little bit and, um, and he didn't like talk a whole lot about what was going on, but we're like, Oh, we're going to go over here. Cause we had heard one before he showed up. We're like, there's no way he heard yeah. that. He's walking up the hill. No. He's I mean, like, I think oh. he was, I think he was sizing us the same as we were sizing. Oh him, yeah. Honestly, just to know, like, what do we divulge? Because are we serious enough that we're both going to be beneficial or, you know, negatory toward each other? Yeah. So we, um, he's like, oh, just stay here and glass a little bit. I'm like, okay, leave him on his way. Hunt the rest of the day, running those elk up the top of the hill. No action there. Running that four point, come super close. A little disappointing, but like, hey, this is awesome. We're still an elk. We've been up full dry every day. This couldn't get any better. And um, we come down to the bottom of the hill. And that night we had decided, we're like, hey, guys, we got like a half day of food left. Because we want to hike in all our food on the first day, only to find out it's a crappy spot and have carried all that extra weight. So we carried four days of food i think three days of food yeah four um, like four days ish but our hike in was one of those four which sucked yeah so then that evening we're like um yeah we only got half a day of food we're we're doing pretty good in here we're gonna hunt half a day and then we're gonna hike out and get more food and come back like we'll recharge our batteries we'll get a shower at the campground we'll eat some real food and we'll be back here in the morning and um we rolled into that next day i don't think we really got into any elk we might have heard one or two uh, but that was the first day that nobody was at full draw, um, or we didn't really have a solid encounter. And this is day. This is day four. Walking up, yeah, gotcha. yeah. And but walking on the way out, we we're like starting to settle things up, and um, we we're walking by, and this guy comes by, and um, we're like, <laughs> "Oh, hey, did you see anything?" He's like, "Oh yeah." He's like, "Yeah, you guys went up the hill over there on the right, and I just kind of sat here. I was using my binoculars and stuff." And, I just said, I'm going to go over here down on the left. Where he, he was, I think he had to be from Texas or something. Had like a little bit of a southern accent. So Oklahoma-ish. He, he yeah, he had told us, I just moved to Idaho last year, me and my wife. And um, he's like, yeah, I went down here on the left. And um, yeah, I was looking, was looking for my cow call. was in my pack somewhere. I haven't used it since last year. And I blow on the cow call once or twice. And once you know, there's a bugle up there, about 100 yards. And I'm like, no, he said it chuckled. Yeah, chuckled like, three times at me. Wouldn't you know it? We're like, and huh, we're already starting you know to stand there with our mouth open. Like, you gotta be kidding me. And uh, he's like, yeah, I uh, stand there, blew a couple cobbles, heard a couple chuckles, and he started walking out of the woods towards me. And we're like, what? And he, it sounded like it was a little bit of a rodeo. He's like, oh, I didn't have anything out at. I had to drive my packet. I grabbed him a decoy real quick because he started looking at me like I was funny. And he sees the decoy and he starts to walk a little bit more, but he's parallel me. And I uh, came to full drown. I shot him at 58 yards. We're like, we're like, this has to be a joke. It's 500 yards from our base camp. He's. We're like, this guy hunts for a total of 25 minutes, and he shoots an elk. you got to be kidding me. <laughs> and um, he showed us the photo. He had good blood and everything like that. And he's like, yeah, we're going up here to look for him. He had a couple horses, and they were packed out when we came back. So, I mean, we would assume that he found them. But, um, yeah, because yeah, yeah, it was – 
it was a good spot and he did a lot of work to get his horses and a couple hundred yeah. pounds of food and he was gone so we're like they had to have found it yeah but um i say gi joe because like we started to talk to him a little bit more and like I'm, i don't want to give away the game because this guy is one of those guys who could probably find me um but he had like a military background super cool guy super nice but one of the uh, the things we remember him saying is, well, uh, what, in what I do, I do bad things to bad people. We're like, huh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, okay. Let's, yeah. Um, he, yeah, don't he, give his spot up, man. A lot of, he divulged a lot of information to us about what he did and where he came from. Yeah, not in like a bragging kind of way. Just like no, he's just telling us. We were just asking him, like, what he did and, like, what do you do for a living that you just get to hunt? And I like I don't what he does now, Jack. Probably that's I mean that's not he's a secret about it, right? He, no, he's like oh, he's, he's a consultant, security consultant. Yeah, he's a security consultant for high high valued kidnappings overseas, and he runs a firm where they just go get them back. Wow, that's what he does. I'm like, huh? And let's just say he's a retiree of badassing around the whole world where nobody knows he was at, and he I was telling us stories, like and it was just like eight countries or something, forty eight. 48 countries he's done work in and we're like huh and he made one comment where we kind of chuckled where somehow politics came up and he goes what do you mean do you know how many elections that we have forcefully made sure ended how we wanted he's like i can tell you all about them we're like oh god <laughs> this, this guy knows way too much so um it, needless to say the first day when he was sizing this up this guy was there was no gray he was a straight shooter and didn't care about what we were doing um, really nice guy, but like very scary guy. The stuff he was telling us, we're like, this is creepy. But we're still like, I, uh, we're, we all come away from that. We're like, are you kidding me that we come out here and are doing this for days and this guy spends like 30 minutes and he's done. And I'm like, what? Yeah. God almighty. Yeah. Toasted. Yeah. Like literally 30 minutes. <laughs> um, and that, so then. We're back in with food, and I, I think we're running right over time, but, like, they're just with so much action. Yeah. Everyone's going to listen to this and be like, these guys suck <laughs> at killing out. <laughs> like, I told Jack, I told Jack, I said, I'm telling you, me and you could make a career out of outfitting for elk because we don't have to shoot. Everyone will be like, well, we saw them. We saw tons of them. I'll be like, hey, we got yeah. you there. Like, we're good at doing that. Like, I will say, like, not patting ourselves on the back, but every elk hunt we've went on, We've gotten onto elk consistently the entire time, and maybe just chips didn't fall our way or we're too inexperienced, whatever it may be, we constantly get into elk. And that's cold turkey picking off a map and just going in. So, like, um, I think, Jack, what the rest of that, the next two days, the next day. Yeah, it should have taken it as a bad time. We hike out, we get some hot food, um, shower, we get back in there, and we're walking in like 10 a.m. It should have been like a bad omen, but I almost got bit by three rattlesnakes. Come to find out, Preston's not going to walk at the front of the line because he's terrified of What? It. Um, I mean, like, yeah, like almost. No, no, no. The Preston being a, a wimp thing. Snakes. Yeah, he says he doesn't like Won't do it. I'll do There's no, I don't do, I don't do rattlesnakes. Oh, well, then our, our turkey well, hunt is definitely in. off. <laughs> no, no, I'll wear That's why you got to come up here. Yeah, I'll wear snake boots. Oh, okay. I'm afraid of, but I'll go straight through them. I, I'm okay. Like I, I'll walk there, but we're walking in waist high grass, and there's rattlesnakes laying on the freaking path that you can't see. I'm not into that. They're, you're <laughs> like 
And you're seriously like we're stopping and discussing this, Walt, because Jack Jack's an ER doc, and we're saying like truthfully at eight yeah. miles from yeah. our car, what's the outcome of a rattlesnake bite? Because it's bad, it's really, an really into bad. The like hunter group. It's <laughs> yeah, potentially like or or like you know losing a limb. And I was like, I'm not doing this. I can't. My reaction is to freeze. I'm not going near these bastards. <laughs> And we just kept seeing them and seeing them. I was like, no, this is horrible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we walk in. Should have taken that as a bad sign because the next day and a half, like the bugle shut off. Like we're not seeing elk like we had. And like we pretty much pulled up stakes because we got to that point in the hunt where we were debating like, okay. Oh, Jack, the first night back, we had the, the sagebrush, the, the elk on his, on his horse. Coming yeah, um, but that was like a string of hope, you know, like because even that one, we walked all through this area. It's the we were in his bedding. Well, we were in his bedding for twelve hours that day, and it was and, and it was three hours before that we were coming down this hill. I mean, like when the thermal switch from going uphill and the sun starts to set, you're and you're up high on the hill, like you got to find a way down, and, and we're working our way down, like thinking like well we might blow out an elk but we want to get down to the bottom of the hill that maybe set up on one that starts bugling somewhere else and we're calling and going calling and going doing it every 300 yards getting no answer whatsoever preston's like oh i'm gonna walk up over here like 30 yards and just blow a bugle see if there's anything just over the hill here well that was the day after the one in the sage no that no that was the same day because zane got upset oh you're right you're right you're right you're right yeah yep and it was just frustrating um so, so I blew – well, I blew a bu- – we blew a bugle, walked 75 yards tops. I cut off to the right 30 yards because this drainage kind of went into a Y, and we were going down the left side, and I wanted to blow into the right side. The bugle didn't get out of my tube, and I had tines coming over the ridge, which is 25 yards in front of me. Before the bugle ended, his tines are coming over. So he had already heard us, and I heard him get out of his bed. He never made a noise, and I'm standing behind, like, a three-foot, like, diameter, whatever their pines are. Jack and Zane are 50 yards to my left, whoa, 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 like, lollygagging with the bows on their shoulder looking in the clouds, and I have a six-point at eight yards, grunting under his breath, standing directly beside me. Eight yards, and, and, and I'm Preston behind the tree. Up, Preston looks over um, me. He hears something, flags me real quick, and goes five in points and five in points. And I'm like, oh, you see an elk like 55 yards down there? He's like, shakes his head. No, he's like, five in points and five points. I'm like, yeah, 55 yards. Let's, I'm thinking let's work in on him. And Jack's or, giving me like a bugle. He's like, yeah, throw a bugle. Now, mind you, I'm standing like a pencil dive with my arms to my side, frozen with my head turned tucked down to the side, which in hindsight, I was standing really awkward for just <laughs> standing there. But they were – they. This bull didn't bugle and didn't make noise, and when he walked up over, it was like pine needles, so he didn't break a limb. And he's at eight yards to my three o'clock, and I got a tree between us. My bow is on my back, and I could have went the full draw because I can't see his head. All I can see is his whole body. And I'm pointing at them, and they're just like kind of lollygagging, like no big deal. we got to work down this ridge. And this bull is staring at them just going, (sighs) And he doesn't know what they are because the sun and shade was real fucked up at that point, and it was, like, weird to make out. And until they both together just start working down the hill, he turns and takes off and hits everything in his way, and they both just drop in their seats because they knew what it was. And I was like, 
what the hell just happened? Like this thing's deader than doornails. Big six point. Like, but to our point, we were 75 yards from him. He doesn't bugle. I'm 25 yards from him, and he comes in on me, full charge, head of steam, and didn't Dead know where it. I was. And I didn't. Now, if I'm not filming, my bow's yeah, in my yeah, hand yeah. like Jack. Yeah, but yeah. I'm filming, so I have a monopod and a camera, <laughs> and I'm just watching him. And I, I was like, part of me gets intimidated at an 800 pound animal that close because I'm like, I don't know if he sees me. What if he just goes full speed right, toward me? Right, like, right. what do you do? But um, these guys had no, and they still to this day they never saw him, and he was. I mean, he was right there, direct, like directly beside me. If I knew how to throw a ninja star, I could have probably taken out his jugular. <laughs> like me and Jack even talked about this. I said, we always carry him on our backs. I'm probably going to a bow sling just for a situation like oh. that. I can still get it off my back and swing it around because he didn't, he couldn't see me and I could move because the tree was so big and he was eight, literally eight yards, like broadside. And there's nothing I could do because your bow's in your bag. Now, if me and Jack are beside each other, he can unstrap it real quick. It's fine. But you can't by yourself with a 6,000-inch six, 6, pack on and that bow right. strapped. And, I mean, it was a solid minute, him watching. Like, I had all the time in the world. And, I mean, but again, back to our point, he, we were on top of him nonstop, and he never made a noise. But he came in because I was probably – 50 yards from his bed and he didn't like it i heard him get up and he was right in front of me it was too late he was on me i'm like shit yeah. so then we all honestly got a little down because we blown so many elk out walking up on them and there's just nothing we could do they weren't bugling which right which to cut the story real short we went into town a couple times we talked to really? people they all were saying the same stuff like everybody we talked to said we've not heard bugles at all like you just haven't heard them. Yeah, it was that evening though. Like we're had had cut back to to that encounter that um. Oh yeah, uh, I forgot. Walked cool. down to the bottom of the hill and we're just sitting there glassing, like you know, just trying to relax. And, Zane know, kind of felt he felt like garbage. He like had a head cold and he just hiked straight back to camp. And me and Jack just like like he said sat down in one of like hands down the most scenic spot on the on these drainages like just freaking gorgeously epic yeah go ahead jay um we're just sitting there and looking up the drainage and your person's blowing a few calls or snitching around trying to you know do some photography for the website and stuff like that and you know make sure we're not neglecting it and um like actually we caught this on video jack you were filming yourself i'm like like i'm doing an interview like oh you know like closing day like oh we had a tough day da 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 (laughs) and preston's like there's an elk i'm like oh wait i gotta go I'm like, big bull, big bull. I'm like, big bull, get your bow. Because it's like 1,500 yards out of a burnout, full speed on his horse coming toward us on a rope, never bugled, and we were in there the whole day. Like, on a rope. And I'm like, we're done. We're in a sage field that's 100 acres without a tree within a mile. Like, what are we going to do? Yeah. I mean, he, he started to close on us. We're definitely caught out in the open. And we thought that he was going to start to work his way down around the corner um, using cover to his advantage. And he just kind of cut up over the sagebrush. And we lost sight of him. Didn't know where he was headed. So we, like, what the hell are we going to do? Like, we're losing light. We start to sneak up. And we see his silhouette out on the on the horizon. Yeah, I turned around to talk. A to, bit. Like, I turned around to talk to Jack because we had lost him for, like, 15 minutes. And I turned around to talk to Jack. And this monster six point is silhouetted staring at us. I'm like, don't move. 
and then he bugles one time and then drops back down over this point and i'm like he's going downwind 100 percent. he's circling us except for he's doing it if he comes down this creek drainage jack's got a 50 yard shot wheelhouse and we're above him he goes all the way around in a big huge semicircle and shuts up never bugles again and we're like fuck he's gone again all right well we're like let's get out of here and then i'm like well jack let's peek up over this edge maybe he's not gone I poke up like a like a groundhog, and I'm like, oh, my God, he's right there, 80 yards, staring at us, and he starts barking. <clears throat> Jack's like, hammer him back. Every time I bark at him and then rip a bugle, he comes five yards closer. Then he barks. He's dead downwind of us at this point. <clears throat> like, he doesn't like something's up. I we rip a bugle. Yeah. We had the wind in our favor. but No, it was didn't. rolling right at him. Uh, he was going right up over the top of that, remember? I don't think he was on that... right at him because he would have been gone. I think he saw something, and he could have he probably saw Preston chipmunking yeah. over the hill. He could have yeah, easily cut over and got our win. Yeah, but I don't think he had our win yet. He was barking at us like, "What is that? What are you?" But he would come closer as we would yeah. rip bugles back. He'd come closer and he'd bark and he'd come closer and he probably closed to the sixty-ish to seventy-ish yardage wise. And it was so dark, like me and Jack were starting to struggle to see each other. Now we had like, we had pretty high end binoculars and with big objective. So I could see him through that, but I couldn't see him with my eyes. And I was like, all right, Jack, you hit the deck. I'm going to rip bugles at him to catch his attention. And then as he looks away, I'm going to hit the deck and let's just get the hell out of here. Meanwhile, to our East Jack's army crawling back. I hear a bull start chuckling. And he turns his head to look, and I hurry up and drop to the deck, and I'm like, let's get the fuck out of here. There's bulls bugling everywhere. But it was pitch black. Like, he's dead. If it's 6 o'clock and we have an hour of light, he's probably dead because he was coming toward us. There's just nothing we could do. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, no bugles on a mature six-point, and we were in his bedding the entire day, and he made no noise. But he came down running full speed at us from 1,500 yards, you know? And I don't – we don't know how, how far up the drainage he was. He could have been at the top. Like, I have no idea. I just know he busted out of the woods, almost did a three-quarter sprint, and I'm like, we're in trouble. <laughs> and that was, that was our last night in these drainages. That's day five and a half, I guess you call it. Yeah, after that, we pretty much hiked out. Um, the next morning, we hiked out. Yeah. So how how do y'all keep your, your like your your spirits up? It's hard when it seems like nothing can go right. I mean, you're doing sixteen mile, twelve to sixteen miles a day. You you have all these encounters, you, these these self imposed, uh, self the, the the filming restriction that makes it even worse. I mean, y'all could have had elk by now had you just been hunters, right? Instead of being you know, uh, yeah. Oh no no for documentary. sure. Well, I mean, and we could have had an elk if my placement on my shot with all that in play. It was, That's true and like I said, people are going to rip it. I'm telling you, I know for a fact, I killed that buck last year on YouTube with a, a pretty damn good shot on a moving deer and got shredded. Like, we're going to get... You talking about that, that one we talked about on the podcast? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, yeah, people, yeah. people laid into me, and I even put the organs on the video to show people, like, look, I hit vitals, and they still, you're lying, this is unethical, like, they're going to rip us apart for this shot on this elk, but like... We did everything right. It just it didn't work out. Um, but to keep your spirits up that whole time and to carry all that extra gear and all the extra weight and batteries, uh, I don't like Jack. I don't. 
minus the night of my shot, like, I don't think me and your spirits got low no, at any I mean, point. Frustrated, like, massive frustration for sure. Like, how have we not, how have we not, like, how have we not had that experience where that one guy, like, every video that you see where the bull's just coming on a rope, like, yeah. 10 yards screaming. Yeah. Like, we never had, like, what we're looking for is, like, that spring gobbler season where you have birds coming in the whole time not gobbling. Like, I don't pull the trigger because it wasn't a fun hunt. I'm going to ruin my season because I didn't have a fun hunt. Like, we wanted that to happen. Like, we wanted bulls activity. We saw a ton of bulls, but we had no bugles, which is not fun. You're like, oh, we're just blown no, around. Like, at least not right, to the volume right. we were expecting, for sure. Like, yeah, here and there, but, you know, the only one that really read the textbook was the shot that Preston had. That's it. Later on in the week, we'd have them fire up a little bit, but, like, it wasn't – and everybody we ran into said, yeah, like, you know, it's just not like it's supposed to be this time of year. Like, everybody. We ran into a guy – he hunted that drainage for 30 years and he's killed 48 bulls. And he said, in my opinion, none of the bulls are where they've ever been in 30 years. And he said, I feel like I've seen about a third less elk than I've ever seen here. And I don't know why. So a guy that's killed 48 bulls in the same drainage for 30 years, we took his word very, very solid that we were doing a good job for what was there. Yeah. Like right. most everybody else we ran into was like hunting and, you know, you don't want to give away the whole game. We ran into this old timer at the trailhead hiking out the second time. He's like, yep, been in here 30 years. Used to hunt in Montana before the bears got that and uh, got my 48th elk this year. We're like, oh, my gosh. He's like, yep, most years I go buy another tag and get two because you can buy a, a second over-the-counter tag in Idaho um, in some units. And he's just – he was just a good old timer. Like, it, he looked like the kind of guy you're like, oh, he won't make it halfway up the hill. And he says I go back there every every year for a month. Yeah, he goes September 1 to September wow. 30 and hunts, and he just tags out on elk. And, like, we felt a lot better when he was like, A, they're not bugling, I don't know why. B, they're not in here. And C, he's like, I, I've never seen them in places where they're at, and they're not where they've always been for 30 years. So he's like, it's really, he's like, I'm struggling. Even though he had tagged out, he was like, me and my boys are in here, and he's like, we're, we're struggling, this is really tough. And we're like, well... We shot at or drew on elk every day up there. We just didn't want to be there anymore. So we and no, and this comes into play. It wasn't we didn't want to be in there, but we we were up there. The well, last we had to day. get out because we Zane and get them. You know. Well, and, and we're we're saying okay, we got a decision to make. We could stay here for another day or two. We could have done that. We had repacked on food, but I said I don't want to do that, and I don't think anybody else wanted to either. I said we either pick up camp and we move three miles over to where we're seeing those elk in the morning that have so far been untouchable. But then Zane's got to hike out an entirely different drainage, hopefully get back to the truck, and then get back to where he's going to get picked up because he's got to leave a day earlier than us. Or we can hike out and try a new area. Thankfully, we did hike out because he got oh, yeah. an, like a mild family emergency and got called and had to head home. So it, it yeah. was a decent decision in the end. Yeah, it was kind of odd how it worked out. Like we're eating dinner. It's 10 at night, and his phone rings, and he's like, I probably should grab this. And he comes back in. He's like, ah. Uh, my ride's coming like tonight I'm leaving in the morning. Like I have to go home. Like, uh, you know, emergency came up. So it was like weird. Cause had we stayed everything, it like, it's a lot of problems. Cause now his ride can't get like a lot of bad stuff would have happened. So it kind of worked out really well. Um, so we're yeah, out of the woods on, I'll go ahead. And I had gone in, I had gone into the woods the last few years. I've carried an e with me 
which is a radio-based emergency beacon. Um, very reliable, but it's like a one-way communication that if something bad happens, like you can hopefully get your signal recognized and they'll come get you. Um, it's monitored by multiple people. I, a lot of people use it for offshore fishing and for things like that. Um, but after this year, I might be getting one of those like a uh, Garmin in reach or the mini or something like that. For like sure. Spot. For sure. Cause like coming out of the woods, like my wife had called me two days early earlier with like a mild family emergency. We came out of the woods another time and Preston's dad had given him a phone call like, Hey, you need to call me. And you know, it would have been it was like, real unsettling. Like, yeah, yeah. like, really unsettling which everything ended up being i guess moderately okay but like you but get a phone call gives from, you ability to text and and let people know or, or at least keep zane in touch or you know us in touch so it's just yeah. something for somebody well, you can to think you about. can rent those units for fairly cheap too like yeah, you don't but, have to yeah. well we have so many hunts it doesn't make sense to not have them yeah you can it does look expensive because you got to pay a monthly subscription fee but um you can turn your unit off and pay like a like three dollars a month for, for nothing. Yeah, it's kind of like no cell method. cams, like the cell trail cameras. It's like yeah. we'll keep it alive for two bucks, and then when you use it, turn it back on, type of thing. Right, right, yeah. right, right. It's like a connectivity. Yeah, exactly. Situation. Yep, which would prove important because I mean, you never know. You don't know what, like, you know, a family member has a heart attack or something, and you have eight more days. You miss everything, like everything, burial, funeral, like worst case scenario crap. But you would never be there. Nobody can get a hold of you. It's it kind of hit us this year when we had a couple calls each of us had to address, and you're like, oh, shit, we need to fix mm-hmm. this. So, um, Yeah, that's, you know, luckily we came out. He had to get home. And it was at that point that we decided, you know, we could potentially hike back into this area, um, but there's two of us now. It's going to be extra trips to get an elk out. Um, it's a we basically valued it at we have to kill an elk in day one and a half because the rest of the hunt will be us getting it out on two trips because you're talking – close to 16 to 19 mile round trip you're talking the hunt's over for one elk so we said we got to go to day hunt spots now we have no choice yeah right that makes total sense yeah which kind of ends our first half hunt and the back what what jack we had three days left yeah that was six days worth five and a half and then we had three more days to hunt basically